Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hollywood Sports Mom, my new podcast. I'm so happy you could join. Um, obviously, the title comes from the fact that I have worked many years in Hollywood and sports. I'm also a new mom, um, but the tagline is especially important to me because it's Hollywood Sports Mom dot 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 life and those I met along the way. Because I, I got to thinking, you know, I had all these stories about Hollywood, athletes, uh, motherhood, and my struggle to get there, and funny marriage stories, and friendship tales, and, and I met so many incredible humans along the way um, that I, was, I had all these stories. And people would always say, why don't you write a book? And I was going to write a book, but then it dawned on me that podcasts are the thing right now, but also... I want to put faces to all these stories. You know, it's one thing to read a book. When you meet incredible people, you kind of want to see, like, who, who are these people? So that's why we're here. And I think I'm going to start by, um, you know, bringing in or saying hello to one of those incredible people I met along the way, which is Ashley Smith. Hi, Ashley. Hello, Carol Silver. <laughs> long time. It's been a long. We talk all the time, right? We, we talk, all, talk yeah. all. Yeah, and our 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 phone conversations are like podcasts. Like we should record them because the stuff we talk about and the people we talk about, which are very well known people, is so funny that we're like, why didn't we just record that? So there is nobody I would want more on my debut episode than you, someone I've known forever. So thank you. Um, and I just got to say f for a quick minute, and I, we've worked together. I mean, we used to work together at ESPN for, I don't know, eight, 10 years, right? I don't know. I've lost track. Um, so <laughs> I remember the first time I met you, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. But, um, and Ashley and I, I, I know, it's great. Ashley and I have both sort of, we've moved on from ESPN. We love ESPN. Um, I know my memories are nothing but great, and I think yours are too. And we'll share some of those. But um, yeah, I remember, and this is why I, I have you on the first episode. I remember I worked in special events and I think I was working on the X Games, like maybe the San Francisco one years, years, years ago, may have been San Francisco. And I had to book a band and I don't know what I'm doing. I love music, but I don't know what I'm doing. So I remember somebody saying, you need to go talk to Ashley Smith down in marketing because she's like the music person. I'm like, oh, who's this chick, Ashley Smith? So I go bopping down the 17th floor hallway and I find you and I'm like, hi, my name's Carol and I'm, I'm gonna book a band. I think it may have been Train, but I, I don't know, maybe it wasn't because maybe Train wasn't around back then, but, or they were, but you know, they weren't mainstream. So I told you whoever the band was, let's say it's Train. And you were just like, well, hello, come on in. And you were like this happy burst of bubbles. That's what I think of you as, you are. You're a happy burst of bubbles who walks into a room and makes everything better. And you made me feel better and you educated me on music. And that was my first time meeting you. So I'm so happy that I could have my happy burst of bubbles on the first episode. Okay, that just almost made me cry. <laughs> and I did fancy eye makeup for you this morning. <laughs> the, um, that's hysterical. It's funny, so many people at ESPN didn't know my whole music background yeah. when I came to the marketing department. And, you know, I think some people were like, who's this old preppy Southern Belle? And then I would swiftly remind them, yeah, your preppy Southern Belle toured with rock bands for a few years. I so love I it. My That's own. hot. <laughs> totally. You could totally hold your I'm all good. <laughs> Especially in a male-dominated company, which it was, let's face it. Um, oh, it was. It was. I, I, I will say really fast, I think one of the times I earned credibility was in a truck and helping them mix the audio for a band that we had gotten to perform. And I just remember like the AD, the you know, audio director turned around, he goes, how do you know how to do that? And I'm like, again, like before I was fun and doing marketing, I toured with bands. Mm -hmm. That's <laughs> and, so and, awesome. Like, it was, it was fun. Okay. So, do you, do you, uh, before we talk about your new company. Do you have, um, and our ESPN stories, do you have any Tommy Lee stories? Because here's why, here's why. I have a thing for tall Greek guys. I dated them. I've married one. Tall, dark, and handsome <laughs> Greek guys. I'm not saying I would have ever been with Tommy Lee. Perhaps my friends were concerned I might be at some point back in my 20s, but. I mean, that could be dangerous. I, it could be. So I don't know. Do you have any Tommy Lee stories? Well, I have a ton. Okay. okay. And you're like, what can I tell? <laughs> Yeah, that I'm literally sitting here going, what would be appropriate? Um, 
I would say one of my favorite Tommy stories is when he decided to take a break from Motley Crue and was doing a side project. Yeah. I took um, You God of the Wu-Tang Clan in my Honda Accord, I might add, uh, from Hollywood out to Tommy's home in Malibu so they could record all day. Oh, that's awesome. Um, that, that, and, see, that's a cool enough story right there, but keep going. Oh, yeah. And there's little sidebars in that story. But what I remember about it is, you know, obviously they're recording, they're focused, and I'm trying to just be like, I went into the TV room and just tried to, dis, you know, be discreet. And he would come and check on me like every hour and be like, are you good? Do you need anything? I was like, dude, no. I'm like, oh, that's I'm awesome. Well, you were at his and, house, right? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I'd been to their house numerous times. So, um, so he was a good host. The other thing, I'm sorry? He was a good host. Oh, he was an you're, excellent host. And great. he was, you know, I tell people, the only other thing I'll say, people forget, you know, Tommy Lee became Tommy Lee at 18. Right. And his persona never changed from that. And, <laughs> you know, you always had to, even though you were dealing with a, the time I worked with him, 40-ish mm -hmm. year old adult, mm -hmm. you still had to speak to him in terms that an 18-year-old process. Right. And right. I don't mean that as an insult. I mean, right. that is just, it was a strategy to get it done. Right. So totally. And that's the way it goes. Even with child stars, it's like there's... Yeah, it's just a whole different thing. Okay, tell me about. Okay, so we've we've all, we've all moved on. Yeah, we we both have moved on from ESPN, but um, and I, you know, still work in sports, and I, you know, produce some projects for the NFL, uh, a couple other places, and you have moved on and formed your own company, which I think is so cool. Um, and it's called GSD Advisory and it's marketing and it's PR, right? And I'll, I'll let you tell me about it and tell me who you represent and go. No, absolutely. <laughs> you know, when I left corporate America a few years ago, I didn't know what I wanted to do next. And it was a huge leap of faith to kind of bet on yourself, but I did. And one of the pieces of criticism that I used to get in corporate America was, you know, Ashley, get it done. But sometimes there's bodies in her wake. And, you know, I decided, you know what? That's okay. I'm going to bet on myself. And I named my company that. Love it. And I, I knew that working with people, individuals on their brands is something that I've always loved. Even going back to college, you know, working with bands and, you know, um, just helping athletes kind of tell their story. And so that's what I'm doing. So I manage uh, Marcus Spears and Ryan Clark, who mm -hmm. are two NFL analysts on ESPN. I manage Peter Burns, who for marketing and partnerships, who's an uh, anchor on SEC Network. He also does golf coverage on PGA Tour. Mm. I just recently signed in the last couple of months a chef, Chef Quaz, mm -hmm. uh, out of Northern California. Great guy, veteran. Went back to culinary school. Just, I can't wait to really dig in and tell his story broadly. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, I consult with a couple of companies and help them on their marketing strategies and how to kind of best assimilate a marketing team to serve those needs of that strategy. And candidly, I've loved it. I love the variety. I love that on one minute, I'm talking to a production company about a potential food show for one of my guys. Um, the next minute I'm, you know, deep into the real estate sector, understanding competition for a real estate client I'm working with. Oh, wow. so I've loved the variety. And frankly, it brings me back to early ESPN days where one minute I'd be booking athletes for sports center campaigns. The next minute I'd be talking about action sports and, right. you know, that all that went with the X games. So I've loved the variety. I That's think it's so cool the spice of life. Well, good for you. And I, I follow Chef Quaz. And a lot of his stuff I see is is very um, Louisiana, like that sort of area base. Is that where he's originally from? Or okay. does he just have a love for that? No, no, no. It's a great. So he his family is from um, southern Mississippi, right? Okay. On the Louisiana border. Got it. Got it. And so what we're kind of finessing right now is he brings that Cajun and... Right, you know, Cajun, like, yeah that Southern, you know, soul food flavor, mm -hmm. but he's doing it with the California twist and he's making it healthy. Which oh, I, very cool. Yeah. Okay. And, it's, and so it's, 
It's, I think that there's a lot of us, myself included, I'll admit I'm a carnivore. If I hear the word vegan, I think bland. Mm-hmm. And while not all of his dishes are vegan, he has, he has some really um, unique and special dishes that are vegan um, that still allow you to enjoy the flavor of soul food oh, wow. without all the you know, the fraud and the bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I have to say, that's so funny that you say that because every time I have to go to New Orleans for work, I, listen, I love New Orleans, but that everything's fried. It's like, you, you can't find anything that's not fried. And I end up with a stomach ache. I'm like, I have to get out before my stomach blows up. So, so I love hearing this, but he does need his own show. We need him to have a show. I think I think his, you know, he has some um, really good fans. I won't say who, but uh, some fans yeah. in the media space that I think are encouraging him to do that. So it's just That's now cool. that we're finally knock on wood out of official COVID. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think some interesting things are going to be on the horizon for him. That's awesome. And we'll keep up to date on that. I like, yeah, I like following him. He's fun. I like when he uses words like swamp juice. Here's a little swamp juice. I'm like, what's swamp juice? I'm like, okay, I'll try it. Anyway, uh, you're, yes, you're right. (laughs) Swamp juice, (laughs) my new word. Um, So it's, I really give you a lot of credit too, because I know how hard it is to start a new company and it's everything. It's not just the content and everything you're talking about. It's the, you know, payroll and it's like the admin part. It is all consuming and it's a great leap of faith. And I know you well enough with your background to know that you're already a huge success, which is awesome. And, um, but I also feel like it's interesting because correct me if I'm wrong, your, your concept for your company came up sort of in pandemic time, right? Right before the pandemic. Okay. So I, you know, I moved, I knew I wanted to leave Manhattan and just kind of start, just kind of pause. I needed a reset. Um, I, it sounds horrible to say it because now I work, I think I work harder than I have. But I wanted, the intention was to downshift from gear five to gear three, maybe four. And I make conscious decisions now to, you know, I try to go fish uh, at least once a week here in Charleston. I wow. I purposefully don't take meetings after six Eastern. Now, look, if it's an emergency and one of my clients is like, hey, I, you know, that's a different story. But mm-hmm. Um, I've made a very conscious decision to have, I really don't like the term work-life balance because I think when you're in industries like you and I are, I don't know that you ever turn it off. Like I'll be watching a show and I'm looking at the product placement and I'm looking at the commercials that, you know, Mm -hmm. like you're constantly wheels turning for ideas and partnerships. But um, yeah, the idea was just, I talked to my advice financial advisor and was like, if I don't make a red penny or red cent, whatever that phrase is, Mm -hmm. for two years, how big of a hit am I going to take? And once I kind of knew that number, I was like, okay, let's, let's roll the dice. I've Mm -hmm. made, I've made some companies a ton of money with ideas. Good for you. And so I'm like, let's, let's try it on my own. Now it's not easy to your point. Right. I, I am very grateful that I'm now in the position four years in I have a bookkeeper. I have an attorney that's, you know, really right. helps us. Um, so I don't step into mud. <laughs> totally. Totally. And you're an idea factory, which I love. And that's a gift. So you're kind of working on your, you know, you're, you're, you're able to embrace your gift all the time. Miss, bringing you, ideas. You've had a few good ideas in your life too. I don't know. Come on. Come anyway. On. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but I have to tell you though, just on a funny note. So, you know, GSD advisory, get done. Okay. So that's on my brain and I love it. I think it's such a great, strong name. And I'm not joking. Last week, I wake up in the morning and I'm thinking about this podcast. I'm thinking about my other TV projects I have going on. And I looked at my husband, it's 645. He's like, good morning. And I'm like, dude, I got to get done today. Like they're like, I, my list is like, that's the first words I said to him. I'm like, and it just came so naturally. And I'm like, and then I had the moment. I'm like, that's why I heard company name is so great because that's exactly what I said. I'm like, like, there's no mess around. I got to get done. Well, I think I, and I hate, I don't, I'm not going to go off on a generation tangent, but I do think as Gen Xers, that is our, that has been our mantra. Well, we, you know, 
in and it's offended some of the Gen Zers and Xers and or not X Zers and um, millennials and all the others. But you know what? At the end of the day, we we rely on ourselves, mm-hmm. and that works for me. Hey, and listen, I, I I am with you, and I love that you say that because you know I am somebody who. I didn't go to this fanciest school. You did. I didn't. Okay. <laughs> but, um, you know, and a lot of people at ESPN, you'd be there and it was like, oh, you know, it was all about sports. So everyone's talking smack to each other about whose school's playing who. My school was, wasn't really in much. But the bottom line is, you know, I, I always had an attitude of, I don't care what school I went to. I don't care that I didn't get all straight A's or B's at times or C's. But anyway, um, I'm going to outwork everybody. That was my mantra is exactly what you said. I'm like, I am going to get into a company and I'm going to blow them away because I'm going to outwork them all. And that kind of worked. I am right there with you. When I go back, I'm blessed. Like, and I love that Carol thinks Alabama is fancy. The University of Alabama, roll tide, shout out. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Uh, I knew that was coming. I go back and try to go back and speak to um, classes as often as I can. I'm on the board of the communication school. And one of the things, now let's be honest, the professors probably don't like that I say this, mm-hmm. but I said, guys, once you leave with that diploma, that GPA doesn't matter. Anymore. That's right. And it's all about your relationships. It's how you approach work and how you assimilate into that environment. And I think that's, um, I'm glad to hear you say that. I was a very happy BNC student. And you know what? Mm-hmm. It's shocking. Nobody asked me for my GPA at this point. Isn't it funny? And you know, I don't, uh, hopefully there's no like high schoolers listening or college kids, but yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I I wasn't the best at school. I failed calculus. Okay. I admit it. <laughs> but still, so, it's all about your, well, I won't go into the full story, but let's just say that, yeah, math and Ashley did not get along. Me too. Math and, and science. Oh my God, my senior year, I, I had taken like, I swear, I think I took a math class every semester where I was there and somehow failed it. <laughs> and the, my final semester, I went to the professor and pretty much said, I'm a graduating senior. I have a job offer. I am never, ever going to need to know what X plus Y equals Z is. There's going to be an entire finance department that's going to welcome those type of problems. And I said, I will hire any tutor you ask me to. I will do everything. I will never miss a class. I've got to have a C to graduate. And let's just say <laughs> that that professor's son was in a band. Uh-huh. And Who needed promotion. And needed a gig <laughs> at a certain club that I may or may not have had a relationship with. And shockingly, they got a Saturday night. Uh, uh, yeah. Just and mere coincidence. And, and, and here we are. Is history. I love it. And it's the. Hey, listen, that's how it works. Okay. I love it. It's who you know, not what you know. Um, but yeah. And, and I'm sorry that I have to keep shifting. The sun is so bright. I didn't think this through. So I. Well, hey, listen, you're living in the Southeast. It's, it's a beautiful thing. We'll take the sun. It beats the dreary New York, uh, you know, post oh late, late winter day. weather. Um, so, yeah, no, good. Um, so I, you know, similarly started. I used to do a radio show in Southern California when I lived there. It was so much fun. And, you know, we were on during uh, rush hour, which is hysterical to think that I'm talking to all these people in L.A. and San Diego who are in their cars. But it was a l- very California driven. And, you know, then, um, you know, that was kind of my pandemic project. And then, of course, I left California, which is a whole nother story and stopped doing that and kind of regrouped doing this. Um, because yeah, I just feel like I, the California stuff sometimes would touch a little political stuff. And it's not that I'm a member of either party. Both parties hate me, by the way, for certain beliefs I have. So I'm like, yeah, politically homeless, like no, everyone hates me and it's fine. I'm my own person. Okay. But, um, you know, I feel like I wanted to start a podcast that talked about fun stuff. Like I said, Hollywood sports, life, deep life stuff. There's going to be some really sad issues, you know, that I'll touch upon too, Um, but it's because in this environment right now, everything, I'm so sick of it all. I'm sick of the news stories. I mean, I'll, I'll turn on the news to make sure we're not like going to war or something, but the, the back and forth, like, I feel like there's verbal bullets all day being thrown by both parties and then parties within parties, you know, everyone's hating on each other. And then there's all of us who are underneath those bullets 
just living life. We're still having, we're having weddings, we're having funerals, we're getting cancer, we're getting, you know, we're, we're watching our kids graduate. And it's like, you keep doing your verbal bullets. We're going to live under here. You know what I mean? And just hope for the best. I think you're spot on with that. And again, I, I am a very happy purple voter. Mm-hmm. Um, some days I vote blue, some days Me I vote Because we're not robots. I think to your point, like right now in the news cycle, there's so much angst about um, President Biden's son's laptop. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, people care as much about this mm-hmm. as they care about Hillary Clinton's emails. <laughs> read the room, read the country. Yeah. These two things have nothing to do on our day-to-day lives. Right. And when we're in the uh, one of the largest inflations in the last century, they, people, I, I don't care what Hunter Biden was doing on his laptop. I don't want to know. I, I, yeah, I'm like, good for him. Yay. But what I do want to know is how are you as my senator, you know, course correcting X, Y, and Z. Right. And I, right. I do think you're right that um, sometimes you just have to tune out. I, I do as well. Yep. Like I'm, it's, it kind of keeps your mental sanity. And I love that you're going to touch on some of those hard, and I know you referred to them as sad topics, but you can never have joy unless you've experienced sadness. Oh, well, sad. and I think, I think hearing those stories from you as the, as the podcast goes on, I think people are going to enjoy those. Mm, thank you. Yeah, I hope so. Just a real human touch is what I'm going for. And it's funny because people always say, write a book because I say things, I'll tell random stories like, oh yeah, um, you know, I, I had the FBI, uh, the man who was on the FBI's most wanted list, he was number two behind Osama bin Laden. He was my neighbor <laughs> and I had no idea. Yeah, that's, in no, in Santa Monica. That's a whole nother episode. I had no idea I was living there. Right, by the way, fun fact that you've never told me and I have so many questions right now. But I, 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 you, you have to wait. You have when to, you go on that episode. You have to wait. Listen, I mean, I had an armed gunman in my hotel a couple of years ago. I was trapped in my room. Armed gunman, like military vehicles outside my hotel. Okay, I've got that. You know, uh, what else? Oh, I was trailed by Homeland Security one time. That's another one. Yeah, I, me, trailed by Homeland Security. It's hysterical. It's, 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 it's This stuff only happens to me. And that's why we're here. We're going to just talk about, um, yeah, life in all, of its, in, in all of its forms. But okay, let's get to ESPN. Okay. So you worked in marketing and I, I worked in, I started in special events. So I did a whole heck of a lot of travel. Um, all over to every sporting event, which was so cool. And then I kind of segue. Everybody called y'all the party police. <laughs> it was, hey, listen, you can call me whatever you want. To. I didn't know that. That's good to see. This is why we're revealing new things. Listen, that is good to know because the party police held some power. Let me tell you, because <laughs> let me tell you, I learned very quickly. I was like, these three women, and I, you know, we won't say their names. Yeah. But I was like, they are in control of if I get it and or if. Yeah, like we'd sit I there like VIP side or non-VIP side. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, no, but it is. It's like I'm 27 years old and I'm the one who, out of all of ESPN, you know, the NFL sends me all the Super Bowl tickets. It's like, you know. 4,000 Super Bowl tickets and they're on the 50 yard line. And like, I get to sit there and go, well, hmm, who was mean to me in the elevator? Okay. I think this person <laughs> might not be on the 50 yard line. It's terrible. All right. Not- so pause and think about that. Cause I do think that's hysterical sometimes. <laughs> and this isn't unique to ESPN, but it's like, you look at, okay, all of a sudden a 27 year old has control of Sick. X, Y, and Z. And you're just like, okay. That works. It makes sense. And for, because for some reason that's deemed a uh, less important task. Yeah, yeah. Which, so. which you could argue tickets to Super Bowl are one of the most important. Oh, it was awesome. And speaking of tickets, just a, here's a little side tale. Because I'm being kind of like crass and sarcastic about the whole thing. But there's a really heartfelt story I got to tell real quick. You know, so we would get all the tickets and we would distribute them to all the different departments. You get this, blah, blah, blah. And my boss, Marion, um, she always taught me, listen, you, we call them our back pocket tickets. You always keep a couple back pocket tickets to the Super Bowl in your back pocket until like two minutes before the game, because the CEO of ESPN could call you and say, 
there was a mess up. I need two tickets. You know what I mean? Like you never wanted to be without. And so they were always pretty decent tickets and we called them our back pocket tickets. But the great thing was that every um, event, you know, you're sitting there, I'm sitting there with my back pocket tickets and it's like, you know, five minutes before the game. And I'm like, okay, I have six really great tickets in my back pocket. And Wrong or right, um, I hope ESPN doesn't come after me for this, but I would, like, I remember being at the MLB All-Star Game in Boston, which, you know, I mean, these are diehard, decades long in the family, you know, uh, Red Sox fans. And I remember I had the back pocket tickets. It was about to start. And I just went up to this dad and this little boy who were just sitting there, like, in their Red Sox gear, looking up at Fenway dreaming. And I just handed them the tickets and I just walked away. (laughs) And I will tell you that dad like fell crying. Oh my God. Like, cause it's like, you don't know who I am. You know what I mean? But anyway, it was, it was pretty cool. I think that was a hundred percent the right thing to do. I used to do that on when I would be on the road with bands and I'd go up to the nosebleeds and to your point, I always would wait till, you know, opener had gone off. We're two minutes to the headliner hitting the stage. And I would go up to the nosebleeds. I would remove my credentials. So to your point, they didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. You're just an and, angel coming out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And I'd be like, hey, are y'all big Van Halen fans? They'd be like, oh my God, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And I'd be like, sweet, follow me. Oh, and I would just that's so walk them cool. right up. Yeah. And those, those are, they're impactful moments. It's kind of made, it made all the uh, long days and nights worth it. And I'm sure like, that Rod, Red Sox dad will remember that story forever. Yeah, it was really cool. It was very cool. Um, okay, so tell me just a, one of your favorite ESPN tales. I, I know you like were involved in shooting a lot of the This Is Sports Center commercials. And I, I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg, a lot of stuff. So I'm just going to let you tell one and then I'll tell one. Go. Okay, <laughs> so gosh, I have set, I have a ton, but you to your point, one of the funniest one was we we were doing the um, Sports Center commercial with the Super Bowl turf manager for those you know obviously every every year this the super bowl has this guy who's just in charge of the turf for that game so we brought him in and part of the gag was he put turf green um grass all throughout um the bristol offices now obviously we only did it in like two or three offices well what we didn't think through and i will admit as a 20 something i didn't think this through um, that grass got up in the ventilation system. Oh, oh my God. No. That was stop. That's oh, yeah. Great. So you have people oh. all around the building. It, I think it was building three. Stop. Um, sneezing and coughing. Stop. Not knowing why. Grass has gone up into the vents. So that's one of those calls. Um, actually, for the life of me, I am spacing on her name right now. But there, okay. the, there was a woman who was the head of facilities in Bristol for okay. years, okay. one of the nicest women. And obviously, the years that I worked on that campaign, I, countless times we'd have to call her and explain, hey, so we're <laughs> going to bring a horse into the bathroom or, hey, we're going to lay fresh grass down or Bobby Labonte's going to cut wheelies in the uh, parking lot. And we don't you know. Yeah, I hope you don't mind. Oh, and P.S., I know you just paid that, but we'll pay to pave it again. Yeah, yeah. And I remember she called me after that, and she said, so we have a problem. And again, (laughs) to your point, like, I had a director, a VP, an SVP. They're calling little old marketing manager. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, "Uh, okay. And so uh, I had to apologize profusely. Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know. That is a great story. It's, it's the behind the scenes of those commercials. I know there have been a couple of specials, but the ones that they never talk about or that never aired are really the best ones. Oh yeah. You know, and there's one that it exists and I've seen it. I don't, I don't think it's on YouTube, but it's called um, Ducks and Angels. And it's when Disney bought ESPN. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's a whole spoof on SportsCenter now only covers the Anaheim Ducks awesome. and the Anaheim Angels. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's hysterical. <laughs> and it never, I mean, it never saw, never saw air. It, it, it never saw air. Yeah. Uh, it, uh. it exists, I'm sure, on somebody's digital drive these days. Totally. Oh, that's awesome. 
Good stuff. I love it. I love that you made half of Bristol, Connecticut sick. That's yeah, cool. It was good times. Six days. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always, always good times. What's uh what is your favorite memory of the worldwide leader? Or a, a favorite story, I should say. Not yeah, I know. It's hard to pick a favorite memory. I I have one story and I'm gonna tell it because I think it'll crack you up. Um so I was, as you know, I was very good friends with Stuart Scott, um, mm-hmm. who I miss terribly. He hosted one of my shows and we shared the same birthday. So, you know, we would celebrate our birthdays together many years. And he's a dear friend who I miss terribly. Um, but a lot of my stories involve him. And um, so I was probably around 27, 28, working in special events. And Stuart, Stuart and I had all these crazy things in common. And one of them was that we were, you know, I won't, I'll go into that in another episode, but he said, listen, I'm going to be, I'm going to the Hootie and the Blowfish golf tournament down in South Carolina uh, next weekend. I said, oh my gosh, I'm going to be in South Carolina next weekend. My parents live there. So he's like, no way. So it turns out we're going to be in the same exact like location. He's like, well, I'll give you a call. Like after the tournament, we'll, we'll all go out. I'm like, great. So I go down to see my parents and hanging out, enjoying time with them. And I think, I think cell phones, were, I'm so dating myself, but cell phones were just kind of coming about. And because I remember he called my parents' house and I get on and my brother's in the room, my parents are in the room. And he's like, listen, Carol, we just finished a golf tournament and we're going out to do karaoke. It's kind of our uh, yearly tradition. And he said, so, you know, we're going out and we're going to break up into two teams of two and we need someone else. So it's going to be me. Michael and Charles. And like, I want you to come out. Like, why don't you, you know, be on one of the teams? Like me, you, Michael and Charles are going to do karaoke. Okay. (laughs) Michael and Charles. (laughs) Like Michael and Charles who like Madonna do not need a last name. Okay. It's like me, you, Michael and Charles are going out. And I say, well, I'm like, you know, Stuart, I'm really comfy in my sweatpants. And there's this really cool new show called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And it's like this big hit, you know, with Regis Philbin. And I'm just hanging out with my dad and we're going to watch it. And he's like, Carol. (laughs) And I'm like, well, you know, maybe next time, whatever. And he's so funny because he would, he never called me Carol, really. He would call me Carol Silver all the time or birthday buddy. But he he was, I remember yeah, him saying, funny. I think I always called you Carol Silver. Yeah. No one like, calls me Carol. You had a double name. Because it's such a lame name. You got to add the silver. In. But, um, so, but he was like, Carol Silver, this is why I love you. Because you just like aren't even phased that you could be doing karaoke with Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley. We're going to sit at home with your dad and watch Regis Philbin. And my little brother was in the room. And I remember he just looked at me and he's like, Carol, you're a fucking loser. You're a loser and it's like and I look back and I'm I it's a regret I'm like what was I thinking like I just I was so jaded from travel and and everything else but anyway I do want to ask you though because I I'm I've thought about this a lot so let's say I did go hypothetical and we broke up into two teams okay who do you think I would have wanted to be paired with for karaoke Michael or Charles no you got to pick one look at you trying to take the safe way no, I would lean Michael because you're a North Carolina girl. Oh, see, and that's good. And I went to UNC Wilmington and Michael Jordan's from Wilmington. Yeah, that's a Okay, I appreciate that. Way, as, a, as an Alabama fan, I would never choose Charles. Okay, so I would choose Charles. And here's why. Okay, I really analyzed this. I'm like, Charles and I would have brought down the house. We just would have. Like, because Charles, you know, we love Charles because Charles is just Charles. He doesn't give a crap. You know what I mean? He doesn't care what people think. He's just going to get out there and go crazy. And with all due respect to Michael Jordan, I mean, I've never heard him sing. I've never, I mean, Michael Jordan knows what he's good at and he kind of stays in his lane and does it. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. And... Michael, in hindsight, probably would be a little too serious on the camera. That's what I think. Thank you. And he would take it way too competitively, whereas Charles would just get up and sing, you know, supposedly he's a big country music fan. Well, listen, he would have dance moves. He would have. And and then Stuart, I knew uh, Stuart, like the back of my hand, Stuart would get up and want to want to show everyone he had a really nice singing voice. Like he'd want to show that off. And then he'd do like one hot and sexy thing to make the crowd woo. But that would be Stuart's game. So. 
I just think him and Michael Jordan, you didn't go like him and Michael Jordan would have been boring. Whereas Charles and I would have gotten up and like rock the house. He would dance. If I would have had, I'm very competitive. I don't know if you know this. I would have flashed the crowd. Like I would have done anything to beat Michael Jordan. And then I could be sitting here saying, hey, I beat Michael Jordan, but now I can't because I'm a loser. I have to tell you, I, that would be one of those nights where I would constantly be like, crap. Why didn't I? Oh, trust me. You could tell I still think about it. Okay. But yeah. I mean, Stuart, um, I will say this. I have a lot of Stuart stories from Sports Center days. Um, one of the best human beings ever. Yeah, I know. I know. Absolutely. And that, I think a lot of people, unfortunately, will never get to see that. But he he was like yes. really deep. Um, and yeah, he would he would say things to me that at the time, like just life advice on boys, like he would, you know, be in, like listening to all my boy problems back then. And he would say things to me that I thought were so basic. And then I'd go back and like two years later, it hit me. I'd be like, that's what he meant. Like there was such a, he was an old soul and mm-hmm. a lot of wisdom. And I, yeah, I, I miss him terribly. I love it. I'm, I love it every year when um, <clears throat> I feel like around his birthday, both Dan Patrick and Rich Eisen and Van Pelt's done it as well. They do such beautiful and wonderful I won't call them tributes because that but they just tell stories yeah and um I think uh I think I think they do a great job of honoring his memory others I'm sure do too but I specifically like how all three of those guys do it well and I'm gonna do it now this year too since it's my birthday too (laughs) um so you can birthday yeah we have the same we have the same birthday July 19th so I will uh yeah so I will talk a lot about him and things people didn't know that kind of changed me and still uh, stay with me. But yes, I, I totally agree. And you know, um, I married someone, like I said earlier, who's Greek. And they, you know, when you go to a Greek funeral, I don't know if you know, but they have this saying. Um, I don't mean to say it's a saying, like, but it's just what they say at funerals. And it's so powerful to me. They say, may his memory or may her memory be eternal. And I love that because it's everything you just said. And that's what Scott Van Pelt and everyone else are doing is you keep people with you by telling stories about them, you know? And so it's, it's such an important thing. And I just, I always, I kind of stole that saying from the Greek community um, because I just think it's so powerful when you lose someone, you know, it's, we lost my father-in-law years ago and he was a Bronx guy. And I remember he, um, asked for a sip of my iced mocha one time. And my husband was like, dad, I'm like, that's fine. Take a sip. And he took a sip. He's like, he was elderly and sick. And he, and I said, well, do you like it? And he said, I ain't complaining. And it was such a great line. It was like straight out of the Bronx. So to this day, my husband and I, may his memory be eternal. We, we will say, I'll say, George, do you like this? And he'll go, I ain't complaining. Like, that's what you do. You know what I mean? You keep people's quirks and their sayings alive. And yeah, it's a, it's a special thing. But anyway, back to the back, getting off, sad stuff. getting off sad stuff. Charles Barkley and I would have won the damn karaoke competition and I, I blew it. Here's my question for you. What song would you have sang? If it was up to you and you're standing on stage with Charles and he says, Carol Silver, you pick. Um, I, I can't answer. I don't know. It would have been like a back and forth kind of love song, probably. You know those songs like... Like Kenny Rogers or something? What? Yeah, like Kenny and Dolly. Yeah, like didn't they sing a song together? Islands in the Stream or something? It would have been something like that, which is great because then I would have been flashing and Charles would have been down. I mean, we would have won. I have, I have no, I have no doubt. But anyway, okay, okay. So as you know, um, a lot of what I want to talk about is life stuff too, and I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to give you a minute to think about it. Okay, okay, because I'm going to explain why I'm asking it, but. I want to ask you what your oldest or earliest childhood memory is. And there's a reason I'm asking this, because I think it's fascinating to hear what people say. Also, because I have um, a toddler son, he's two and a half, and I'm very cognizant of the fact that, you know, kids, they say, start having their oldest memories at age like three, four. And I'm really stressed out. I'm like, oh, my God, like. I got to make it something good, right? Like, do, do I have to book a Disney trip? Like, when he turns three, like, what am I doing? I'm so scared. Like, You're staging his core memory. Yeah, I'm staging. I'm staging his oldest memory. I Because I'm stressed. I don't want it to be something like, you know, 20 years from now. Oh, yeah, it was so cool. Like, 
you know, my mom looked like a monster. Her face was droopy because she got bad Botox. And like, it was so cool. She looked like a monster. It's my earliest childhood memory. Not that that's ever happened. Okay. But I'm just saying like, (laughs) it's got to be something good. So, okay. That's how I tee it up. And I also think, I also think, by the way, sometimes I've talked to people and their oldest memory kind of like plays a part of who they are as an adult. Sometimes, not all the time. So that's what I think is interesting. Okay, go ahead. So this was, um, this is a fascinating thought and question, I have to admit, because I think sometimes your memories are impacted by, at least in my case, the pictures that you see. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you're like, do I remember that? Or do I remember seeing the picture? Right. I think the... The memory that I genuinely, like, remember the first one is my grandparents' house in Virginia had these um, gray steps on the in the front porch. And my grandmother would play, um, gosh, what was that little game called? Anyway, we played a game where if, she, oh, red light, green light. Mm-hmm. And so you would sit on the steps. And if she said green light, you got to keep backing up on the steps. Mm-hmm on your bum. So I was probably like, you know, three or four. Right. It was before I was an only grandchild for four years, oh, Carol gosh. Silver. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was an epic time in my head. <laughs> sure. <laughs> until others came along and ruined it. And then <laughs> others came along and really ruined that for me. So this was prior to others coming along. So it was just my grandmother and I, and that's, and playing red light, green light. Like I can hear her doing oh, it. Oh, that's I, weird. And um, yeah. And it's, I just loved it. I love everything. Um, you know, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but they sold that house once um, my grandmother moved into assisted living. And I just have so many fond memories of that house. Oh, that's but awesome. that's the one that I. So do you get I, stressed out at red lights and green lights when you drive now? Has this has this stayed with you? Uh, no, because here in South Carolina, uh, people seem to not uh, acknowledge red lights. Yeah. It's a whole. Yeah, it's a whole. Yeah. That's a whole nother topic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm surprised at how they drive down here in the Carolinas. Like they're crazy. Like they ride your butt. And listen, we're in New, we're in New York City drivers. We're we both lived in New York and L.A. Like I know how to drive, and I can be an aggressive driver. I'm a good driver. Oh. Knock on wood. Okay, but I'm like, get off my butt. Like I don't get it. And someone said maybe it's because NASCAR's down there. I'm like, I don't think so. But I don't know what it is. Anyway, it's all right. Yeah. All right. Well, what what is your your first memory? My oldest memory is that um, I got pissed off when I was like three and a half and I ran away from home. And and yeah, oh, I ran away from home. And you see, (laughs) just a background, as you and I were talking about, like we're both you and I are both right side of brain people, like very creative, you know, ideas. And what you just said, we're not left side brain, which is analytical math, science, right? We were just talking about that. So I'm all into the imagination, the creative, you know, like that kind of stuff. So I had an imaginary friend. Uh, It wasn't really imaginary. It was Minnie Mouse. Like I did everything with Minnie. Like I would call up my aunt and be like, can you come over for lunch with me and Minnie? And she'd say, okay. And this poor woman, she's so sweet. She would actually sit at a table like with me and this other chair that had a PB&J sandwich and like pretend Minnie's there as, as I'm holding court. Okay. So I was obsessed with Minnie Mouse and it was one of those, I grew up in New Jersey. It was one of those like cold winter days that's so gross. It's like Sunday and dreary in January. And I'm three and a half and my mom just had another baby. So my mom's tending to the little baby. My older brother and sister are down in the basement playing. I'm not getting any attention. My dad's laying, I still remember he's laying on the couch, enjoying his day off, watching a New York Jets game. And I'm just bored and pissed off. So, you know, I go up to my dad. I'm like, listen, I'm going to go find Minnie to play with Minnie. And he's like, okay, Carol, go find Minnie. I'm like, okay. I go up to my mom. She's changing Jeffrey's diaper. And I tell her, she goes, okay, Carol, go find Minnie. And then I go downstairs to my brother and sister who wanted no part of me. And I'm like, my older brother and sister. And I'm like, I'm going to find Minnie Mouse. And they make fun of me. Oh my God, Minnie Mouse. So I'm like, screw everybody. I'm going to freaking find Minnie Mouse. So I ran away. So I left and I got like, a block and a half away. And I went to this house. It was Mr. Cassoni's house. They always had toys outside. So it was like a mini Disney. You know what I mean? It just looked like a fun house. So I'm like, this must be where Minnie is. <laughs> so I go up and I knock on the door and this man answers. I'm like, hi, I'm here to play with Minnie. And he's just looking at me like smiling, right? And he kept me there at the door for a while. And in retrospect, I realized, I think it's so that his wife could like frantically call my mom and be like, you're t- like, it's raining out. Like your toddler's at our door asking for Minnie Mouse, right? 
So I look and then I remember him. He just was smiling the whole time, engaging me in conversation. And then I remember looking and I see my older brother, my older sister, and my dad running around the block. And my older brother's half laughing, but half panic going, Carol, Carol, come back. And so I get dragged home, whatever. And I I don't think I ever got in trouble because I I would remember that part. Um, But I kind of think it's fascinating that, you know, look at where my future went. I ended up with one of my main key jobs at Minnie Mouse and Disney owned ESPN. I also work for the NFL, which my dad was listening to that day. And then my life has taken these imaginable and unimaginable turns and twists that we're going to talk about in future episodes. So I like to think that I love that it's one of my oldest memories because it kind of set the course for the future. And I, it, yeah. Is that your course that you were going to be a cast member? <laughs> a cast member, totally. And yeah. And I, I yeah. And my brother, you know, it still comes up probably once a year, we'll be at like Christmas Eve dinner and someone brings up, remember when Carol ran away to find Minnie Mouse? And I'm like, listen, everybody, I was right, okay? Because the right side of the brain is creative and logic. Logically speaking, I told every single one of you people I was going to find Minnie and all of you told me to go. So I'm right. It's, it is, that's interesting that (laughs) like all the aspects of your story, like then played out. Yeah, it then played out. That I do find a little creepy. It's a little creepy. But yeah, I still remember the NFL, you know, whether it was Howard Cosell, whoever, like their voices. It was wild. But anyway, um, yeah, so that's, that's it. Funny. Okay, I mean, we're, we're right, gonna... here's my question. Do you yeah. still have a Minnie Mouse in your house now? No, no, I don't. I kind of got away from Minnie. I don't know. My son has a lot of Mickey well, Mouse. My son loves Goofy. Goofy's his guy. Like he just laughs at Goofy, but. No, I don't have a- I, um It's funny. I loved bouncy balls as a kid. You know, the yeah. little ones you get at the little, you know, the dollar store yeah. and a little sheen. I still carry. It just helps me with my like anxiety. Yeah. In my purse right now, I won't leave because I've already disrupted it twice. Um, in my purse right now, there are two bouncy balls. And they I are keep so cute. them for when I travel Kate, and need like distractions. It's super funny. People are like, you're not, you're almost 50 and you have bouncy balls. I, I could yeah. just see you going through TSA and then being like, what? Trust me. I don't know. I got a hot mess. Each I, I, I totally, totally. I'm sure they do. Yeah. I'm happy you have your bouncy balls. I, I no longer am close with Minnie, but um, anyway, I appreciate the memory. Okay. We end each episode with a random question and this is just things that stay on my mind. It's an opinion-based question. So there's no right or wrong. It's just, okay. you know. We were both children of the 80s, right? Right. Okay. I just want to know your thoughts. Did the professor and Marianne ever hit it? Ever. Oh, Marianne, not Ginger. Intriguing. I wonder, I I, I lay in bed at night and think about these things. All right. So I think they had to at some point, but I think the professor also hit it with Ginger. Yeah. He's like... That's where the analytical side probably kicked in. He's thinking these two are the only two that can procreate. You know, the house, the the house, you know, they're done. They're past that age. You're going deep and, on the procreation thing. Yeah. Because he wants to keep And those. I think he was like, We need we need people to take care of me in my older age on this damn island. Uh, this is <laughs> this is great analysis. And I'm pissed off they never let us know. Like, did they end up together? Like and I agree with you. Here's what I think. I think Ginger, I think like Ginger was with Skipper first, the Skipper. Oh. Yeah, because think about it. He saved them. Like, remember the footage? They're in the boat and it's like wild and crazy. And, and he saved all their lives. And I, she could look beyond the obesity problem because it's like, he, that was hot. Like, you know, he saved their lives. I think she- He was, he was the position of power. Position of power. So she gets to yes, the island. Yes. I, I think Ginger hit it with- um, the skipper first. I think she didn't bother with Gilligan because he was such a bumbling fool. She's like, I'm, I'm not wasting my talent there. Then I think she got with the professor, to your point. And then I think the professor, you know, realized like, oh, wait, like, look at Marianne with her picnic basket and her braids. Like, that's probably who I should go for. So I do think that happened. I think Ginger then moved on to Mr. Howell. Like, you know, like, because weren't the hells always, oh, yeah. weren't they always blitzed? Or am I? Yeah, they were always drinking um, martini. <laughs> they were yeah, drinking. Like yeah, they were walking around with martinis all. Yeah, so so I have no doubt that Mr. Howe would make sure Mrs. Howe was blitzed in bed by eight. Ginger would visit the hut. But I'm not saying it was full blown. Full blown. I'm not saying. 
It's full quote. I, I, because I, I even older, I just, I just think probably something happened. I think, yeah, Ginger. And, um, yeah, I think, I yeah, think Ginger, wait, Gin, Ginger was probably with the headhunters too. Do you remember the headhunters that would come to the island and like want to kill them all? You yeah. don't remember yeah. that? And it was, that's a show that I would love to go back and watch in our yeah. politically correct society that we live in now and see how, like, how many things would just be completely train wrecked totally not allowed um not allowed and not I, allowed yeah yeah no i think she was with the headhunters too and that's why the headhunters never killed them but that's just these are the things i think about and i'm like i wish they would very excellent show idea <laughs> just just throwing it out there because you're in that yeah return to gilligan's island return i know they never let us know um but on that note to wrap things up ashley my little um batch of happy bubbles i can't thank you enough for being with us I am so honored to be the first guest. And I want you to tell everyone your socials right now. So we know GSD, and it's so easy to remember, get it done. GSD Advisory, go for it. Yes, so it's uh, Instagram GSD Advisory and Twitter GSD Advisory. Easy, simple, you'll see all my shenanigans, my walks about downtown Charleston. (laughs) And uh, that's awesome. You know, all my my up to mischief nonsense. And then some work thrown in. Yeah, some work here and there. That's our new life, right? That's what everyone thinks after the pandemic. They're like, I'm going to enjoy life more. There's nothing wrong with that. And Well, next week, I'm going to have another uh, producer that I work with very closely named Jeremy. He co-wrote a book on the Beatles in L.A. Now, you don't even have to be a Beatles fan to care about this because I like the Beatles a little bit. You know what I mean? I like their songs. I'm not a huge fan. I read this book of short stories and it's so, it was a page turner. It's just everything like the Beatles went through when they would go to LA, where they would hide out, who they met. Such, such cool factoids. And oh, that sounds good. Oh, it's so good. You have no idea. You got to buy it. But I, um, yeah, the Beatles in LA is the name of it. Um, but we're going to talk to him next week. And he also has a great background. He and I are just going to go back and forth telling our celebrity tales. He's got, he used to be Joan Rivers PA. Okay. I mean, when he told me that, I said, don't say anything else. Save it for the podcast because I need to hear. Um, so, yeah, we're going to. Oh, my God. Yeah. Jen Rippers was the bomb. The bomb. She's the queen. She's the queen. And he better not ruin it for me. But um, so, yeah, we're going to talk to Jeremy next week. And then after that, we're going to kind of go into more deep life stuff. And we're going to go into my whole journey through infertility, which sounds crazy. Um, but and, you know, not every show of mine is going to be for everybody, but. I feel like it's a story people don't talk about and I want to share it. And um, I hear a lot of women going through this stuff and I feel like such a private matter, but I'm an open book as everyone knows. So I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to try to, if I can help one woman through what I went through to get to the success of having my sweet little boy finally, um, then I'm willing to do it. So even if you don't care about fertility, you might know someone who's going through it and it'd be great if you could have them join us. So um, that's it for today. Thank you, Ashley. Bye, Carol Silver. Bye. For more info or to reach out and tell me I'm nuts or if you want to debate me on Ginger or anything else, uh, log on to HollywoodSportsMom.com and all my socials will be there and we'll go from there. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.